This is episode 392 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Five Ways to Turn Everyday Items into Multi-Purpose Remedies. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information, head on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, welcome to our Friday podcast. Hey, I hope you had a great week. I had a great one. It was long, but it was a good one. So I'm going to be getting some rest this weekend, and I hope you are too. While you're doing that, hope you add to your preparedness in some way, even if it's just you know beefing up your plans or reading some articles or whatever it might be. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into our article of this podcast. It comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And again, the article is entitled, Five Ways to Turn Everyday Items into Multipurpose Remedies. You know, one of the things about self-reliant people or those that are self-reliant minded is we're able to look at things and reuse things and recycle things and just adapt and be flexible. But an important part of being resourceful like that means that you have to have the proper tools and you have to have some items. And so when we think about our preparedness plans and we think about the items that we're adding, there are some things that really are force multipliers because we can use them in so many different ways. And I love this article because it really brings that out. Not only does it bring it out, but there are also some list of things that maybe you should consider uh, items and things like that. I know a lot of people like that because it gives them ideas, maybe things that they haven't thought about. So let's go ahead and jump into this one and uh, we'll start it again. Five ways to turn everyday items into multi-purpose remedies. These days, sudden health problems, financial setbacks, and other challenges can pose as much threat and risk to life and wellness as volcanoes, hurricanes, and other catastrophic disasters. Regardless of the disaster type, however, you will always find yourself looking for simple solutions that cost as little as possible. It is during these times that you may be most inclined to look around the house for things you already have that can be used to remedy the situation. Here are some things you should keep in mind when repurposing household items to create powerful remedies, a small toolkit that should be in every room, and an additional 10 items you should always keep on hand and nearby. So have a clear understanding of what needs to be done. Before you even begin using the household remedies listed in this article or any others you happen to know about, it is very important to have a clear idea of your goals. For example, If your washing machine breaks down and you cannot afford to go to a laundromat, it doesn't make much sense to grab a bag of Epsom salt and expect it to do some kind of magic to solve your problem. Rather, you will need to think about how you are going to wash the clothes as efficiently and effectively as possible. In this case, if you have one or two five-gallon buckets laying around a heavy dowel and some slats, you can make a bucket washer. Alternatively, if the garments are made of lightweight fabric, you can get away with using a clean bathroom plunger. 
One bucket will be enough to make a washer that will accommodate an agitator, but it will not work well insofar as wringing the clothes out. To make a washer that will wring the clothes out, you will need a second bucket. Once the garments are washed, as long as you have some paracord and two points to tie it to, you can make a simple clothesline. Even if you don't have clothespins, you can still drape the garments over the paracord line and let them dry out that way. Hey guys, one of the things, you know, you always see that uh, five-gallon bucket with the plunger as, uh, as the washing, as the, the, I guess, the washing machine portion of it. But the wringing out, that can be really uh, tire. I mean, yeah, it can really tire you out. I learned my lesson when we had our, uh, we had a leak here. And uh, I've talked about it before where we had uh, the water lines in the neighborhood were turned off and then they were turned on. And then they, they came, the first thing that was on our water line in the house is the refrigerator. And so I guess the pressure was so much that it busted the line and we woke up to, uh, you know, puddles of water. I mean, like a lot of water. And uh, we were picking those up with towels and wringing them out. But uh, even in doing that, I mean, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't paying attention, but got blisters on my hands and, and uh, just, you know, the trying to wring out as much as possible and trying to go very, you know, going, going quickly because, you know, you wanted to make sure you, you got it cleaned up before there's a lot of damage to the house. You know, one of the things that I thought about that I would want to be able to wring clothes out is one of those mop buckets like custodians use, right? That they're yellow and then they have that little, uh, that thing on the side, that little lever, and you're able to put clothes in there and you're able to push that lever and that would squeeze out all the, all the, the, the water in the clothes. And that would really save you. I mean, you can have the old-fashioned thing where you turn and you run it through the rollers and stuff like that. I mean, if you can do that and you you know you uh, want it to afford that kind of a system, I know like Lehman's sells some of those, and um, you know those are can be can get up there and, and real expensive. If you're wanting something a little bit smaller and you want to be a little bit more, you know, hey, this is just in case. That's something that you can do, right? You can buy those at Walmart or Home Depot and uh, or off of Amazon. So that's something that, that you can do if you needed to wash your clothes. All right, I didn't mean to just you know really <laughs> stay that long on that one, but uh, just a, an idea there. All right, so uh, next, know how long the remedy needs to last or work. And guys, when she, when she's saying remedy here, she's saying remedy, you know, as a, it's more solution, the solution that you find uh, in remedy, I guess, with the different items that you find to help, you know, uh, come to that solution, right, or to uh, make that solution. All right, so know how long the remedy needs to last or work. As you well know, a crisis situation may last for just a few hours to days or stretch along for months and years. Before you begin cobbling together a solution to an obstacle or problem, it is very important to have a clear idea of the time frames you are dealing with. This can help you choose a better design or select different materials that will work the allotted time frame. As strange as it may seem, even something as simple as plastic bottles and metal soda cans can have a finite limit in terms of availability. If you are considering using items that you would need for a longer-term crisis in a short-term situation, it may wind up causing you to have less items on hand later on. Consider a situation where your heating system broke down and it will take three days for the repair company to get the parts needed to fix it. During those three days, you are expecting fairly cold weather and know the electric heaters and similar devices will not be enough to keep your home warm. Now let's also say you have propane, electric blankets, and a fireplace that you can use to burn wood or other items. Let's also say that you have resources on hand to make a candle heater, 
clay pots, nuts, bolts, washers, and candles, and an alcohol stove or soda cans and rubbing alcohol. Even though there is a finite end to this crisis situation, that doesn't mean you should waste resources that might be better to save for some other time. In this case, your worst option would be to use the propane immediately because it is expensive. An electric blanket will be useful for keeping you warm while you sleep as well as other times when you aren't moving around much. Since they last a long time, they are a much better option than running a propane stove. When it comes to choosing between the fireplace, candle heater, and alcohol stove, a lot depends on where the fireplace is in relation to the room that you decide to camp in until the heat comes back on. Typically, you will want to choose a smaller room so that you can conserve as much fuel as possible. Since the candle heater produces more heat using cheaper fuel than the rubbing alcohol stove, it is the better option. In addition, if you run out of candles, you can always use crayons, chapstick, or even a can of vegetable oil with rolled up newspaper for the wick as a candle. Now let's change the scenario a bit and say that your local area got struck by a blizzard and it will be about two weeks before you can get a fuel delivery. Let's also say you are almost out of fuel and know that you cannot go for two days, let alone two weeks. Under these circumstances, you can still try using the candle heaters and other resources before using the propane stove. Even though it is likely you will have to use this resource, it is still best to use other and cheaper sources of heat first. Let's shift now to look at the aftermath of this crisis and what it teaches you. Chances are, once you have to survive a blizzard or a few days during a cold snap, you will never want to take that chance of relying on short-term heating sources or those that cannot work adequately to heat your home comfortably. Rather than wait for a crisis to spur a re-evaluation of powerful household remedies, you can start now to look for more long-lasting options. In this case, compost piles produce a steady, stable heat regardless of whether it is summer or winter. All you need is a steady supply of plant-based kitchen scrap, a compost bin, and some PVC pipe that can be used to pump warm water through the house. Some other things you might want to try include a tin can solar heater. You would be amazed at how much heat some tin cans painted black and insulated with a glass covering will produce. To maximize the efficiency of this system, use water pipes inside the cans and have a storage tank in an area where the dispersion of heat from it will be of use to you. Learn all you can about passive heating and cooling methods. If you have to insulate your windows and don't have heavy drapes, try using contractor bags taped into place with duct tape. The black plastic will absorb any heat generated by the sun and help keep it in the room. Consider building a geothermal heat pump system. If you cannot afford this type of system, cannot get the permits to do it yourself, or do not have enough room to have one on your property, find out how much it would cost to install one for the whole community. Next, take the matter up with your local political leaders. If they are resistant to creating a community-based heat pump system that residents can use for free, this is the time to investigate their salaries, benefits, and expense accounts. Never forget that as a citizen of the community, you have a right to that information. Once you find out how much tax money they are using for personal gain, be sure to inform the media and everyone that you can about the situation and how the vast majority of that money would be more than enough to pay for a heat pump system that everyone would benefit from. <laughs> That's funny. So getting that uh, to that last part, they're getting to your uh, local officials and, and uh, dealing with that. But uh, you know what? There was a, a great point here that um, I want to I just highlight a little bit. 
We don't always think about this when we're reading articles. You know, some articles are written and the thing that it is covering is short term. And then we read other articles that are written and the idea there is long term sustainability. And so you really need to keep that in perspective whenever you're thinking about your preps. Is this a short term prep or is this something for the short term or is this something that can go long term? Is this something that can, you know, has an indefinite life? I can continue to reuse this. You know, it might be the difference from buying batteries to buying a solar panel, right? And that's kind of the idea. Is it something that's going to be short term and I'm going to be able to use up and that's it? Or am I going to be able to continue using this for the long term? So I, I think that's a great point here. And a lot of the times we don't think about that when we're thinking about preparedness or reading articles or watching videos. Um, that needs to be in the back of our mind all the time. All right, so this next section is have the tools on hand to make modifications. Even if you have a wide range of materials on hand and know how to use them, it won't help very much if you don't have the right tools. For example, if you have everything you need to make a rubbing alcohol burner, it won't help much if you don't have a pair of scissors and a knife capable of cutting into a metal drinking can. By the same token, if you are going to use the bottom of a drinking can to make a fire starting lens, it won't work unless you have a fine grade steel wool available to increase the reflectivity in the bottom of the can. Fortunately, when it comes to common household items that can be used to make powerful solutions to problems, it does not usually take much in the way of tools. You should still be careful and choose good quality tools to have on hand. All tools can can and should be tested for durability and usefulness with common materials before you add them to your stockpile or household bucket EDC system. In some cases, you might still get a viable tool at a dollar or discount store. Other times, you may need to go to a flea market to locate vintage hand tools or buy new ones from a reputable manufacturer. All right, so I just want to stop here really quick. Um, the dollar store, man, uh, unless you just don't have any money at all and you need a few screwdrivers and maybe a hammer and some pliers uh, and you, you know that's all you have to spend, uh, I would not want to go into you know, a real situation just with dollar store tools. Um, tools are one of those things that if you can invest the money in, will pay off over the long run. And a lot of the times they will last forever. You know, I have a couple of tools that were my dad's, you know, and uh, I mean, he's still alive or whatever. I guess I took them, I borrowed them and I never gave them back. But I mean, I remember using them when I was a kid. And uh, so I still have those tools. So they will last a long, long time. And so uh, if you can invest in it, you know, if that's something that you can do, that's a, that's a good idea to do. I like the idea of going to flea markets and finding vintage hand tools because a lot of the times people will look at something that is older, maybe it's rusty, something that you can clean up, uh, but they'll look at it and say it's no big deal and they'll sell it for whatever. You know, I actually I purchased a really nice uh, hammer and, and axe combination for a dollar at a garage sale one time. And I'm like, man, this was a great deal. You know, it needed it needs to be cleaned up and stuff like that. But uh, it was a great deal. Okay, so let me go ahead and keep going here. Over the years, I have probably spent more time and money on safety gear and protective garments than the good quality tools I purchased years ago. There is nothing more painful, dangerous, and downright embarrassing than working with simple hand tools or even power tools and winding up with a preventable injury. Always include goggles, various kinds of light and heavy weight work gloves, ear protection 
coveralls, footgear, and mouth guards in your household EDC bucket or other stockpiles. So definitely, I think, you know, having some safety equipment is very beneficial. You know, if you're working with something that can, whether it's metal or wood, that can come back into your eye and, uh, you know, cause some some problems there. Right now, we can go to the doctor and get it flushed out and all that kind of stuff. But in a real poop hit the fan situation, um, you know, and I know people survived for years and years and years, you know, before all of this. But if you have goggles, you know, if you can buy a nice pair of goggles, why not buy, uh, you know, a decent pair or a couple of pairs and just save you that that aspect of it. Um, and, you know, it could be that along the, the way that those goggles do finally break down and you're not able to use them anymore. But uh, why not? You know, why not just be uh, a little bit more safe than sorry? All right. So let me go on. In a time of need when you may not be able to get to a doctor or emergency room, avoiding injury while you are working on various tasks is extremely important. It remains one of the best ways to ensure you can still carry out a diverse number of tasks and also reduce the risk of life-threatening infections. So there are three kinds of tools you will need to have on hand no matter what kind of material you will be working with. Tools to reshape the material. This list includes scissors, knives, templates, measuring tapes, rules, saws, pliers that can also be used for joining material together, and drills. Tools to remove material artifacts. Anytime you work with wood, metal, glass, or even fabric, there are bound to be rough edges or areas that need to be smoothed out or brought into a better fitting alignment. Sandpaper, files, and polishing agents are always good to have on hand. While woodworking is well within the scope of many preppers, you may also want to consider diversifying into working with stone. In most cases, a good quality rotary tool, attachments, and polishing agents will enable you to create just about any shape. And then tools to join materials together. Hammers, screwdrivers, wrenches, needles, and thread, soldering irons, and glue guns are all items that will be absolutely necessary depending on the kind of materials you are working with. If you have to use some kind of fastener or multiple parts, rest assured you are also going to need a tool to manipulate the fastener. All right, so the next section is be able to assess how to make a material safe for use in medical situations. No matter whether you are trying to get through a hurricane, a financial setback, or some other crisis, there is no such thing as a medical emergency that can can be put on hold until other matters are resolved. This is just one of many reasons why you may be thinking about how many medical problems you can alleviate using household goods. Chances are you are also wondering about things that go well beyond splints and that can be used to manage a range of ailments, including infections or sudden symptoms that may be tied to a more chronic illness. Choosing herbs to grow or have on hand. Aside from family history and lifestyle choices, there are other diseases that are likely to crop up as you age. While researchers can give you some idea about when things like high blood pressure or arthritis are likely to start, there are no guarantees. When combined with the way the U.S. health system is failing miserably in terms of cost and capacity to care for so many people with chronic illness, it is easy enough to see that a major crisis will strain the system even more. These are just a few reasons why it is very important to know how to manage both chronic and emergency medical situations using herbal remedies or other cures that you can manage on your own. It can take a lot of work and research to find credible studies on herbal remedies as well as how to grow and prepare them for maximum benefit. 
At the very least, you should start by making a list of conditions you already have and ones that you are at high risk for developing. From there, you can start researching the herbs and other items that may be of use to you in a time of need. You can expect to spend at least two to four years investigating all the possible remedies as well as acquiring them, learning how to use them, and recognizing when to use them. You know, that's a pretty good strategy, knowing the things that... um, you know, that are, that you deal with now and, you know, the medications that you use and, and what can be used as a substitute, an herbal substitute. There might be some that just are not. And then what kinds of things run in your family? Is there something that a parent has or maybe a grandparent or someone down the, you know, down the line had something that, you know, could be genetic and, you know, you could possibly need this or, you know, arthritis or whatever, you know, are there any herbal remedies? Um, the two to four years, man, that's a, a long time when you think about those types of things. But again, when this article, she's thinking long-term sustainability, right? She's looking at, the healthcare system and looking at how uh, how bad it is. Now, although right now you can go to the doctor without any problems. Right now you can go to the hospital and get any procedure that you need. But it is you know teetering on a fine edge. And so if there ever was a situation where the healthcare system failed, what would you do? So this you know she's thinking long term and she's thinking, hey, I'm going to go ahead and prepare for this you know down the road. And so she's putting in the time and the effort now to be ready. All right, so uh, moving on. What about the ability to sterilize or cleanse the object? Depending on the situation, you may need to use towels, knives, or other materials on broken skin, deep wounds, or in contact with mucous membranes. Did you know that even a small scratch in the skin can introduce tetanus and other deadly bacteria into a wound? It does not matter if the pathogen was introduced accidentally or through ignorance because you did not use sterilized tools or materials to manage the injury. By the same token, there are chemicals and also viruses and other diseases bearing agents that can get past the mucous membranes and cause illness. As a result, it is very important to know how to remove chemical residues as well as sterilize objects and materials that aren't already packaged and guaranteed to be free of pathogens. How it will interact with other chemicals and materials. Items like lye, baking soda, lemon juice, and vinegar are all very useful and powerful remedies or precursors to more effective and safer options. As you mix and combine different chemicals, you must always be aware of how they will affect the vessel that are being mixed or stored in. This includes understanding how changing the strength percentage of the active ingredient and the amount of heat generated will affect the mixing vessel, the one used for storage, and any tools required for application and preparation. For example, even though lye soap can be stored in paper wrappers or plastic, Lye itself can only be stored and mixed in certain kinds of vessels. In this case, you should never let lye anywhere near aluminum containers or mixing utensils. If you are using plastic, it is very important to make sure they are safe to use with lye. What about how to prepare the remedy? Consider a situation where you have aloe growing all over the house and know that you can use it for digestive issues, managing open wounds, and soothing the skin. You may even have suitable mixing bowls and the proper ingredients to make aloe soap, shampoo, or other personal care products. Unfortunately, if you don't know how to choose good aloe leaf or how to get as much gel as possible, you will find it much harder to efficiently produce a reliable remedy. As you choose each material or item, it is very important to experiment until you produce something useful. 
Remember, there is a lot of wrong to the point of being outright dangerous information in books, magazines, videos, websites, and other sources of information. Unless you practice and learn from experience, you will never know for sure if the materials and remedies fashioned from them will actually work as expected. What about how to know if something isn't working as expected and what to do about it? Over the years, I have looked at videos for building everything from foxhole radios to solar cookers and beyond. Each time, I usually find numerous designs that eventually come down to the same basic components. I have also found many times that there is a fatal flaw in just about all the designs. Sadly, when it comes to solving survival or complex problems using household items, you will find that many things don't work as expected. If you do not practice using these items in real time or drill type situations, then you won't know what to expect, let alone how to work around it. For example, if you have never made a cabbage leaf wrap for a sore back or inflamed joint, it is best to find out now, rather than later that you didn't crush the leaf properly or didn't wrap the surrounding plastic correctly. Even if you make a mistake the first time and go back to do more research, you can look at it as a learning experience and move forward. Remember, finding and using powerful household remedies is as much about discarding things and processes that don't work as much as it is about building the skills and knowledge required to make and apply the solution to a well-defined problem. All right, good point there. All right, and the next section is look back in time to see how the same problem was solved. Some of the most valuable and useful household items have been around for decades and centuries. Then, as now, people had to deal with health problems, sudden weather-related disasters, financial collapse, warfare, deaths in families, job loss, and crop failures. No matter where you study the pioneers that founded our nation or go even further back into time to ancient Egypt and Greece, India, and China, you are sure to find all kinds of fascinating information on how to manage a host of catastrophic problems with common materials. Here are some sources that are being proven very useful today that can help you make the most of household supplies. Right, the first one is traditional Chinese medicine or TCM and Ayurvedic medicine. These resources will teach you about a number of herbs that are available today, including turmeric, ginger, and ginseng. If you aren't sure about how useful these herbs really are, simply go to nih.gov and look at all of the research that either supports or invalidates the ancient texts. You will be truly amazed at how many things were known centuries ago that are proving to be correct now. So guys, that uh, website is nih.gov. And it, for some reason, it's not linked here, hyperlinked, but uh, it is in the article. All right, uh, the next one is classical Greek text. These are some of the best for learning more about ancient uh, machines that generate and use steam to accomplish various goals. They are also some of the best for reliable methods for building the simple machines of physics. Food preservation and storage. Few places rival Egypt and other Middle Eastern countries for hot climates that spoil foods easily. From zeer pots to the use of desiccants and fermentation, you are sure to find many recipes and techniques that can be used in your home. And then your own family history. Regardless of your ancestry, you can rest assured that your parents, grandparents, and other ancestors had to get through some very trying times. As problem solvers, they probably had to innovate or explore numerous avenues before reaching their goals. 
great-grandparents that survived the Great Depression may have useful information about how to avoid the hazards of bank holidays as well as the dangers of relying on plastic currency. In a similar fashion, your family members may still have recipes for medicinal wines, compresses, poultices, and other remedies made from foods, wild plants, or common household items. The next section is items to keep in every room and in your vehicle. Even though this list may seem like a lot of items, you would be amazed at how much you can fit into a five-pound bucket. It is best to have one in each room so that you do not need to scramble around looking for these items in a time of need. For example, if there is an earthquake and you need to get out of your house, it is easy enough to grab a bucket from the room you are in and run with it. All right, I think she meant five-gallon bucket instead of five-pound bucket. Um, And then I want to talk about this bucket in just a minute. Make no mistake, by the way, staying inside any kind of building during an earthquake is absolutely deadly, as is crawling under furniture that could collapse on top of you. You must get out of the building as quickly as possible with the kind of tools, supplies, and materials that can at least get you through the first 24 to 48 hours or until rescue crews can get to you. In a similar fashion, if you delay evacuating from some other kind of hazardous situation, you may not have 5 or 10 minutes to get to your bug out bag, let alone assemble the items listed here. So let me go ahead and go through this list. Important paperwork should be on you at all times or in the same room with you. Insofar as money, you can put some in each bucket. I don't necessarily recommend prepaid debit cards because large-scale computer failures or other collapse Other collapses to the information IT infrastructure can leave you without access to your money. Cash is still the most reliable means of paying for gas and other items you may need as you move from one location to another or as you try to survive in your home. So a five-gallon bucket with airtight lid and secondary regular lid. Safety gear for each type of tool or expected task. Hand warmer packets, two bottles of drinking water, first aid kit that includes tweezers, magnifying lens, cotton swabs, wraps, and surgical tape, fire starting kit, enough nutrition bars or MREs to last two days, a life straw or water purification tablets, metal camping kit that includes a cooking pot and utensils, enough medication to last one week, one thick dowel and wood slats, ratcheting, screwdriver, hammer with pry bar, pliers, wrenches and sockets, various size corner braces, various size screws, nails, nuts, bolts, and metal washers, complete change of clothes suitable for the time of year, three clay pots of varying sizes, clear plastic bags, speaker wire, double-edged razor, tin foil, band-aids, alcohol swabs, pH test kit, three-in-one flashlight, battery radio, paracord, folding knife, window breaker, seatbelt cutter, A sari cloth, this can be used for water filtration. Choose cotton cloth with the highest thread count that you can find. Once you have the thread count information, do some additional research to find out how many times you have to fold the cloth over in order to filter out pathogens and particulate matter. Emergency blanket, construction bags, wax paper, quartz crystal, black tourmaline, mirror, tape measure, compass, compact towels, lye soap, Bandana, salt, graphite, magnets, needles, thread, antibiotic cream, custom essential oil kit, petroleum jelly, rubber bands, birthday candles, vitamins, and microchips with copies of survival or off-grid oriented information and suitable access device and EMP proof bag. I think that microchip, I think they're talking more um, like a flash drive or maybe uh, an SD card or something like that. All right, so let me let me go back. There's a lot lot of information here on this list here. 
Uh, and I don't know if it's the best list really to bounce off of. I don't agree with the five gallon. First of all, I don't know if you could get everything in here in a five gallon bucket. Um, but I don't know if I agree. You know, her recommendation was a five gallon bucket in every room. Um, first of all, that can get kind of costly. Second of all, that is going to be a source site. So if you are somebody that lives, you know, and nobody comes, nobody comes over the house or anything like that, and you don't care to have a, an orange five-gallon bucket from Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever in every room, then that's okay for you. But I would think that it probably would be better if you wanted to go this route and you wanted to have something to grab and go, uh, like a grab and go bucket, then you would at least, you know, make one and put it by your door somewhere, right? And you could even decorate it somehow. You can, you know, put something around it and maybe put a pot on top of it or whatever. Um, but, you know, you have at least one wherever you would be, you know, your exit, whether that's the back door, the front door, whatever. Or maybe if you have two exits that you use, you can have two. But one in every room, I think that's really excessive. And then I don't know if I agree with everything on this list. I, I would really need a little bit more information as to why some of these things were on here. Uh, they could be very specific to this person who wrote it. All right, so uh, continuing on, um, basic items everyone should have. These items are special are a special subset because they should be in your home as well as stashed in each of your room-based survival buckets. Do not forget, with the exception of lye, you can buy large size packages and then break them down into smaller or single-use packets that can fit easily enough into your bucket system. Each of the items on this list can solve anywhere from a dozen to a hundred of diverse problems when combined with a few simple tools and the knowledge of how to use them. Epsom salt, duct tape, black pepper, peppermint, baking soda, vinegar, rubbing alcohol, contractor bag, speaker wire, towels, lye, lemon juice, vinegar, and plaster of Paris. All right, so that makes a little bit more sense that she is providing these basic items that you can use these for, you know, you, you can use these in multiple ways, right? And putting that into a bucket. Um, and then, you know, the idea of you can buy in bulk and you can make smaller packages. Like if you had a food saver, you could easily make uh, vacuum sealed packages and, and put them into a bag and save a lot of space or in a, in a bucket and space and save a lot of space that way. Um, but again, some of the things on the, that top list, I'm not sure. All right. So let me go ahead and end this one. Sometimes it can seem difficult to know which items from around the house will yield the most powerful remedies. It is best to start off with a handful of tools and then apply them to common materials that are easy to obtain and store. Looking to the history of your family and the history of other cultures will also offer valuable clues and insights into how to use these materials for the best chance of success. Well, guys, I think that article was a lot, gave you a lot to think about and just a lot of information all at once. Hopefully you... Um, you can listen to this one maybe again and kind of reflect on some of those things because even as I was you know preparing for this this article and then as I was reading it again you know different things were coming to mind as I was kind of reflecting on what I was reading and so uh, you know it's a pretty pretty thorough article as far as you know getting you to think long term and really getting you to process think you know to where it's like you're not like one 
uh, you know, one goal minded here. You're like multiple goals. You have multiple things that you can pull from and you can use because you are experimenting with different things and you have different, uh, you know, different skills with different tools and even household items. And so, uh, man, you know, the items that she was talking about that everybody should have, like Epsom salt, duct tape. I know that there are from time to time, there are a lot of lists. I know that you can go to Prepper website and you can go to the Tag Cloud and go look at multi-list uh, or multi-uses. Or you could go just go look up like vinegar, baking soda, and you can find those articles that would be like 20 uses for baking soda or 30 uses of baking soda that you didn't know, you know, those types of things. And that would really kind of jumpstart your knowledge of some of these things that she uh, she was talking about, where you don't realize that these items can do so many different things. All right, guys, so uh, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes, and you can go to it. Again, it's over at survivalpedia.com. Really great article. The title was Five Ways to Turn Everyday Items into Multipurpose Remedies. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 392. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of the podcast. Hey, if you are listening and you are not subscribed, you could be missing out on some really great preparedness information. So we'd love for you to come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and uh, subscribe to the show there. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I'd love to have you over at the Facebook group or on Twitter or on Instagram. Hey, and if you this weekend you are looking for some more preparedness articles and, and you want to do some more digging, head on over to Prepper website. We do a lot. We post a lot of great stuff over there. And uh, we have pages on alternative news, which really the uh, Alt News Hub is the second most popular page on Prepper website. But we also have articles on frugal living, DIY, you know, uh, firearms, a lot of good stuff over there. So if you are wanting some more preparedness content, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.